Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Oliver Turner. I'm the Executive Vice President of Corporate Development for Corora Resources. We are a Western Australian domiciled uh, gold producer, producing about 120 to 135,000 ounces of gold this year, increasing production to 200,000 ounces by 2024. We've got two mills, three mines, and a really interesting nickel byproduct credit at the same time, generating a lot of cash flow. I like that. Two, two miles, three miles. I like it. Um, it Ollie, thanks for coming on. Um, appreciate uh, you making the time here. I know you guys are running around um, like crazy at the moment. Uh, you just put out the kind of third quarter numbers, strong record production numbers, ASIC coming down. It's all easy breezy at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I wish it were easy breezy with some excellent execution by the operations team. Obviously, nobody's a stranger to the current operating environment and inflationary cost environment. But what I'm extremely proud to say is that despite all of those hurdles over the course of this year, the team has just executed like we have over the last two, two and a half years operationally, bringing those costs down, delivering ounces, delivering into that growth plan that we outlined about a year and a half ago now, uh, doing an outstanding job. And, and record is right. We achieved a lot of records in this quarter. I'm very proud of it uh, and certainly more to come over the next year. Right. So how do you continue to deliver? Like, I, I know I'm sort of joking about how, how easy it is. It is not. I've got CEOs coming on, companies coming on the show. In fact, one last week just said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I am so concerned about the rising costs here. Um, I, you know, I want to have a conversation about how do I change this into a negative story? And the truth is, it is what it is, right? And we've got other guys coming on talking about putting, putting out economic studies. No one cares. It is a difficult environment for gold. You're getting pressure coming down from gold price. You're getting costs rising. What do you do about it? Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a, t a challenging environment for, for a lot of projects out there, particularly the unfinanced developers. It's, it's very, very challenging for them. We're, we're in the fortunate position, obviously, of having uh, not one, but actually three operating centers that, that are delivering you know profitable gold ounces to these two centralized mills that I talked about. But all of this it comes down to, to operational strategy and, and operational readiness and ultimately the workforce that you have on the ground. Um, you know, we were uh, one of, over the last two years, one of the sort of rising stars in Western Australia, we were able to attack, attract rather a top tier talent at the operations. We all remember the stories you and I were chatting about in 2020, where we were attacking all of those cost levers, bringing costs down and basically future proofing this business for an environment where gold prices were retracing. I don't think anybody uh, envisioned the inflationary environment we'd have squeezing costs from the bottom up, but we certainly were positioning ourselves to have that kind of long term durability. So operational readiness, the right people on the ground. I'm really excited to talk about one of our, our new new additions on the team, our new chief operating officer, Bevan Jones, at some point today. He's done an outstanding job already uh, recently in the seat. But we also have, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, another lever we can pull with this nickel byproduct credit as we move forward, which provides us a little bit more insulation from those squeezes in gold price. Okay. Well, like, okay, well let's, let's talk about Bevan because the the... the the market is, is super, super tough at the moment. There's only so far you can squeeze cost reduction uh, exercises internally, right, before you start cutting corners, which are not good. You're going to be reliant on gold price recovering, but all precious metal companies in the same boat um, at the moment, unless you can get more ounces out of the ground. And I guess that's where Bevan comes in. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so Bevan's basically been in, in the chair now for about six or seven weeks uh, in, in Western Australia. Um, one of the huge advantages that we have with, with Bevan joining, uh, Bevan Jones is his full name. He's, he comes from uh, Saint, the St. Saint Ives Mine, which is literally across the fence, uh, a Goldfields operated mine, one of the largest mines in their portfolio. And, and I say that on purpose. He is a big mine, big operator guy with plenty of experience in managing large, complicated operations you know some of the things that he accomplished at St. Ives next door you know he increased production by about 20 to 30 percent he reduced all in costs not all in sustaining costs but all in costs encapsulating all capital all of your spends by about 25 percent all of this while improving the safety record of that operation over the last four years so he brings in a, a new level of, of efficiency and organizational optimization and and strategy going forward so he's coming in with the growth plan that we laid out to the market, but he's adding another level of, of you know, capability and strategy and way of thinking about how we execute on this plan, particularly given the, the current environment with those, those increases in cost that we're seeing. The last thing, and this is very, very important, is you know, as we talked about with Graham, who did an unbelievable job over the last two years, very happily re-retired, we're quite, quite happy for him there. Uh, you know, we continue to get his strategic input, uh, but he brings with him a large network. Right? When you have strong operators and strong leaders, they typically bring the best people with them as they switch from company to company, and we'll have that benefit with Bevan as well. So Graham brought an excellent team. Bevan's going to layer on top of that and bring in even better operators that are able to navigate these sort of troubled waters that everybody's experiencing right now. Right. You guys have delivered since we met in September 2019. You continue to deliver quarter over quarter. So, you, you know, the market can't ask for anything more than that. But obviously, it's got its own spasms and problems out there at the moment, which you, can, you need to work your way through. But what, what does someone like Bevan and where he's come from do for how you manage things internally? Because you know, you've been very good at kind of banging uh, mineral resource estimates. The technical reports, not so much, right? You, and you, you've got you know, multiple um, assets that you're going after, three, three mines and m more targets uh, on, t on top of that. How do you kind of bring all of that together, manage the gold component, whilst also trying to extricate as much value as possible from the nickel component, because it's a much more complex, you know, it's a, it's a longer, uh, harder process to kind of get that out of the ground and do that or get as much of it out of the ground before your gold runs out. So how does all that being looked at? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we, we did put out um, the PEA study on the nickel uh, a couple months back and, and, and hopefully your, your listeners and, and your viewers have, have gone through that. Some, some phenomenal numbers out there uh, in that PEA, you know, extremely low upfront capital. It's that same narrative that we've been saying for years at Beta Hunt where you get to use the same infrastructure to ask, access both the gold and the nickel at the same time. They're immediately adjacent to each other. So what Bevan brings in is, is first and foremost, look, we've got all of this noise from the outside, right? We've got inflationary pressures. We've got, as with everybody, retention issues, you know, skilled labor is extremely tight to get anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where you are. So he improves that retention and that attraction talent. At the same time, he makes sure that the team is squarely focused on delivering that 200,000 ounces per year by 2024, uh, as we stated in our growth plan. And you know, you can put out a plan, but to execute it is, is very, very challenging. So we're making sure we don't lose that focus. 
Concurrently, what he's able to bring in is another basically projects team that is focused on delivering this nickel PEA. So when it comes to delivering that nickel, what our objective is, and as we laid out in the PEA, it's going to be about a year's worth of minor development that goes into that. And you'll really start to see those nickel tons kick up in 2024, actually. So it's a lot sooner than people think. Here we are, you know, we're about a month and a half away from the end of 2022. So you could be about 14 months away from that, those elevated nickel tonnages coming out of beta hunt. Now, what could we be seeing in 2024? When you combine the remnant nickel mining, which we've been doing for a couple of years now, smaller scale mining, more labor intensive, higher cost, but nevertheless kind of gives us about 20 to $30 an ounce in byproduct credits. If you combine that with the new output from the nickel PEA zone, which is called the gamma zone, you could be seeing about 2,000 nickel tons coming out of that second decline uh, by 2024, 2025. Now, what does that do from a cost basis, right? At, at, at very, very conservative nickel prices, you know, $19,000 a ton. And I'm sure we all agree that nickel prices are probably going to be trending up over the next couple of years, given all the shortages, particularly when it comes to nickel sulfide material. Um, we will see the, those 2,000 nickel tons translate into north of $100 in byproduct credits, if not more. Right. So that provides incredible margin prote protection, um, dare I say it, even margin expansion, uh, particularly if, if some of these inflationary pressures ease. So that's really, really important for us. So we've got a projects level team executing on that, a projects level team executing on the on the gold uh, expansion study. And I do think it's actually probably worth a little bit of an update of what's going on there so you can understand some of these moving parts, because as you mentioned, there's a couple things going on. And we'll try to sort of simplify this to give you a bit of a roadmap of what's going to happen over those next 14 months. So we have the single decline of beta hunt, about a million tons per annum coming out of that. Although if you look at our last month, we were very proud to note that we did about 100,000 tons a month out of one decline, annualize that about 1.2, right? So can we go bigger than, 100, than 1 million tons per annum? Potentially. So that's one decline. The second decline is actually tracking ahead of schedule. Uh, we are on track to complete that in the first quarter of next year. That will double the capacity, the trucking capacity from underground at Beta Hunt to 2 million tons per annum by the end of 2023, early 2024. In addition, the, as we've demonstrated with the throughput rates we've put through so far, we will be able to truck nickel ore and gold ore out of those two declines at that 2 million ton plus per annum mark. And that will allow us to deliver into this. So as we complete that decline in the first quarter, the next step is in order to put more equipment underground, you need more ventilation. You're always restricted by how much ventilation you have. So the next phase is putting in a new ventilation shaft that goes up scheduled to be completed somewhere around mid-year to the beginning of the third quarter. Once that's in, we can start to get some additional development in place for those, those additional gold stokes. And then the nickel development really kicks into high gear. And by high gear, I mean a whopping $7 million is spent in year one. I say that with a smile on my face because tell me a nickel project in the world where your initial capital to bring a nickel project on is $7 million. Very, very low. And it all comes together in 24, 25 to really kick up your gold ounces and your nickel production at the same time. So all that needs to be managed by someone that's managed big operations with projects going on at the same time as operational delivery. And Bevan brings in a wealth of knowledge and experience in that area. Right, okay. The, the, the flip side of this, the small capex component is, is, is the fact that, you know, I, I, want, I wonder how much 
of of the nickel feed will be paid for as a percentage in a, in a process like that. And, and as you say, with the kind of second decline, you know, if you're going in on the sort of current ore blocks, or you're tr- or you're looking at you know, going after new ore blocks, which will require substantial underground development, you got to you got to work out. You got to put a number on that, and then kind of work out the best way to play that. So I'm I'm sort of intrigued to see what's going to come out of the next few months in terms of the studies, but also in terms of the way that Bevan Bevan thinks that you guys should approach approach this. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point. I mean, uh, on the on the capital requirement side, um, you know, take a look at our three-year guidance. It's, it's been out there for for a year and a half. Um, in 2023, we've got our growth capital, sustaining capital assumptions in there. That incorporates the additional development you need to bring on those additional ore blocks in, in, in the gold space. When it comes to the nickel, we put that PEA out. So you have that $7 million that gets added next year. Um, and once basically that's put in place, I mean, you have to have development in place in order to mine, uh, mine ore blocks. You can't do it without that. Uh, but once that's in place, we'll be stoping from additional stopes, uh, both in gold and in nickel. And, uh, you know, enjoying the free cash flow that comes out of the back of that for many years to come. But are you, but are you going to be like giving a little bit more guidance? Are you going to be issuing sort of more technical reports? Or is it a case of as you have done so far, which is really just a case of feeling your way through the, the, the multiple assets that, that you've got. For instance, like, you know, I don't think you know, like Sparkos doesn't have a technical report, but you're, you're, you're finding the answers, you're finding the grade there. So again, is it kind of, with Bevan, say we need to kind of step up our kind of um, professionalism here? And I know you've done well so far, but what, in terms of that step up, what does that look like? Interesting, interesting comment. When it comes to uh, you know expanding production in an existing asset, um, we actually did uh, three internal studies uh, when we were looking at uh, at, at the expansion of, of throughput at Beta High. We evaluated uh, a twin decline scenario, which is what we selected. We evaluated a shaft scenario, which we obviously did not select, and we shaft, and we evaluated a conveyor going up that second decline obviously we did not select as well due to flexibility issues. So the second decline was selected based on based on that internal work. And then we use that as the basis for that three-year guidance that we put out to the market. Now, when it comes to the nickel study, um, what's really quite interesting at Beta Hunt is you have 35 years of nickel production under your belt there. You have nickel mining costs that we're doing right now, today actual cost, real contractors, we can tell you what the cost was tomorrow for that group in terms of doing their mining. So the input data that's going into that PEA is as good as it gets because it came from yesterday. So when it comes to forecasting what what future costs are going to be from, from a study perspective, we will update our input assumptions as we move forward into next year, reprice in terms of, you know, have things move since we put out that study in the third quarter of 2022. Um, but do we need to go into a full feasibility for a project that you can literally touch the face right now? Interesting, right? I mean, that would just only do one thing. It would delay your, your, your ability to get in there quickly. You'd obviously spend time and energy uh, uh, working on that study. Um, why not, if you're there and you can mine it with the same infrastructure, not additional development, the same infrastructure that you're going to be mining the gold from anyways, why not start mining and execute? Obviously, we're going to have, uh, we have a reserve model uh, and we'll mine to that reserve model and move forward that way. So it's a little bit different when you're in an operating mine um, versus starting up something new. When it comes to something like Spargo, Spargo's is a very, I mean, just a quick reminder here, we bought that for a whopping $4.5 million Australian in 2020. Um, we've extracted over 40,000 ounces from Spargo's already. 
Um, it has paid for itself time and time again, multiple times over. We've generated some very, very good cash out of Spargos. Now, what's interesting about Spargos and where study work does come into play is Spargos was essentially a restart of a former underground mine. What we're going to be doing now, and we we are evaluating this internally, is the underground potential of Spargos. Are we going to go underground there? There's some gangbusters drill results at depth. So you guys remember we had those 19 grams over 20 meters, um, sorry, an ounce per ton over 20 meters, uh, which was which was phenomenal. We absolutely think there's underground potential there. We're analyzing that, and that's something you can expect a, a technical port to be wrapped around if we make the go-ahead decision there. Um, so you know, when it comes to new projects, we will. When it comes to operating an operating mine and expanding an operating mine, you got the face right there. You need a very, very tightly controlled uh, resource model, but we also have a very long history of mining gold at Beta Hunt. These shear zones are very predictable. We've added a ton of ounces. We've mined a bunch of those ounces already. So basically working off a lot of experience when it comes to that asset. And I think it's paid dividends over the course of the last two years. Right. Okay. So it's a kind of, kind of attitude of, you know, trust us, it's, it's, it's economic. We, we, we've been there and we've done it and we continue to do it every quarter, every quarter. And look, to, to a very meaningful level, I totally like that. I have no problem with that because the number I care about is the number of ounces which you say you're going to deliver. Is, is that going up? Is your margin improving? And what's that doing to your share price? So let's look at the share price. Your share price has been as high as, well, cracking nearly, nearly what, 750, I think, earlier this year. Here we are down at 330. Um, you've been beaten up good, just like everyone else. And do you think that if you were presenting the information, the technical information, people would go, well, these guys are doing things properly. And a bit less of the trust us, we've done it, we've done everything we've said we would so far. That would look any different? I mean, it's interesting. You come back to your first comment earlier where you say that, you know, studies are going up to the market right now and nobody cares. Um, so uh, is it worth putting that work out right now and, and pausing what we're doing? Probably not. Um, when we have accounts and, you know, we're going to have uh, analyst site tours next year for the first time since COVID, which we're very, very excited about. That's what they get paid for. Um, that's their job. You know, these are mining engineers and geologists that come in. They'll take a look at the asset. They'll take a look at our resource and reserve model to see how much of those resources they think are going to be con converted into reserves based on past conversion rates. Guess what? We have years and years of conversion history. Um, and then they'll forecast basically how long they think this mine goes for. So that's exactly what, um, you know, those institutional great investors do. Um, and that's why they put tens of millions, if sometimes not hundreds of millions of dollars to work in some of these stories. Um, so they have to do that, that level of work for it. So that's, that's very, very important. Um, when it comes to the share price, I mean, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a, uh, a violent pullback for, for everyone in the space. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, you know, we talk about valuations if you, if you want, and maybe what's not priced into the stock, um, you know, in terms of what you're getting basically for. Well, let, let's, let's, let's go there because I think that's really, really important because I think some people will, you know, have, have cycled into, in, into this uh, position and not many will cycle out. Like I've interviewed quite a few of them whose CEOs are genuinely nervous. They're either cash constrained or they're marginal projects which are just you know not going to be able to recover, certainly not at these gold prices and definitely not with these increased sustained uh, influence of, of inflation, right? So it's important for me as an investor to understand which company is going to be around to cycle out of, out of this. You're producing cash. Uh, you know, you're, you're getting squeezed like everyone else there because margins are, are being compressed somewhat, but you are producing cash, puts you in an unenviable position of making decisions which you are in control of. So why is this still a growth story? Why are you 
versus some of your peers going to come out of here in, in better shape than, than, than others? Yeah, I mean, you sort of hit the nail on the head there with that one comment. I mean, we are in an enviable position of, of generating cash every single quarter, um, deciding to uh, allocate dollars to new projects, to new expansions, to new studies. This isn't a survival mode. This is a you know full tilt ahead, execute and deliver on doubling our gold production over the course of the next two years. So um, what the story isn't, it, you know, we're going to do 120,000, 135,000 ounces uh, this year. Um, we're not going to flatline that for the next five years. We are increasing gold production to 200,000 ounces per year. That is a very, very large increase by you know via the capital that we've been deploying into this asset over the course of the last year. So um, we are generating cash, uh, we are maintaining, and, and eventually we'll be expanding margins, um, and we are delivering into that growth plan, um, not just sitting here and, and trying to, to survive until uh, things get better. Show me, show me. Okay, okay. Let's 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 dig into this. This is very important. We, we've seen a few companies like Pure Gold. They, they made a lot of claims. It hasn't gone so well for them, right? Yep. Um, we've seen some really expensive acquisitions as people seek the ounces, not the margins, the ounces. Uh, you know, big one going through at the moment. I mean, some big numbers there on, on the Yamana. Um, well, we'll call it competitive tension that they that they've managed to um, get in place at the moment. People are paying a lot of dollars for those ounces. Why are you going to hit two hundred thousand uh, ounces? Why is the way that you're going about it the best way to do it in terms of return on capital invested? Yeah, I mean, so you know, a couple points to touch on there. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, you know some of the uh, you know. Unfortunate events that we've seen in, in the mining sector over the course of the last year that are predominantly CapEx related, right? I mean, one thing for everybody to remember, um, but this is why you hire competent management teams, mining is hard. Mining is very, very hard. It is technically challenging. No two assets in the world are the same. Uh, it is very, very challenging to do. So even when times are good, it's, it's tricky to execute on those plans. So that's, that's the first thing. When it comes to M&A, um, the honest truth is, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of major ounce replacement and in terms of replacing your reserve life. So if you're a senior gold producer, you're basically valued on your reserve life. Um, you continuously need to replenish that. The number of major new discoveries that we've seen since the year 2000 have absolutely plummeted. It suffice to say, and I'm not trying to be coy here, the easy stuff has been found in the good jurisdictions has been found. People are gonna to have to venture into trickier and trickier jurisdictions. Again, one of the benefits for us, we're in Western Australia, but in trickier and trickier jurisdictions to find these large deposits, right? And there's a number of them that you interview uh, and know very, very well. So it's harder and harder to find those ounces, which means you basically need to buy those ounces. And they're not purchasing these ounces for project metrics today. They're purchasing these ounces because this is a cyclical industry. Uh, margins do contract and expand. Uh, gold prices move in all sorts of directions. So they're they're basically buying these things number one because they need the ounces number two because they know that times will get better at some point in time so that's the commentary on that when it comes to us um, you know, our, our, our you know, sort of goal here when we stepped into this company in, in mid-2019 was we saw an enormous amount of potential in the scale and size of the beta hunt system. And we haven't even talked about all the Higginsville stuff, right, in terms of you know, exploration there. But we are focused as a junior gold producer on one asset at a time, make sure we execute on that, and we'll expand our, our purview after that. Um, so we saw tremendous, tremendous potential there, right? But we knew there's a, a lot of hair on it and a lot of things that need to be unlocked, which is what we've done over the last two and a half years. 
we know that the number of call it 200 to 250,000 ounces single asset sort of producers out there in low risk jurisdictions and even ones that actually have a pretty incredible byproduct a byproduct credit can probably be counted on two hands. Um, we are one of them. We're the one of them that's right in the backyard of the largest mining uh, uh, you know, jurisdiction in all of Australia. So suffice to say, there's a lot of companies that are following us with, you know, with keen interest. Um, and, and that is part of our job is to continue to execute on that plan, keep our heads down. You know, inbound interest has come in over the last uh, you know, couple of years. It, it always is there. People tracking our progress, seeing what we're doing. What are you going to do next? Okay, we're going to go watch them for a couple of quarters. Can they do it? Um, and we just deliver, deliver, deliver. And that's our job. Um, that's why we have the team that we do. And uh, this is going to be a you know, 200,000 answer year company here in, in the next year, year and a half. Uh, and then we'll look at the next challenge. How do we grow from there? Um, you know, how do we expand that asset even further? Um, are there other assets in our portfolio that we can then exploit, right? That is our, our job as a management team. Uh, and given the, sales, the scale and the size of our company, I mean, one of the things I don't think too many people know, there's about 600 people in Cora, from top to bottom, including all of our miners, contractors, people on site, people in offices. It is not a large company, but we've got a large company mindset in terms of how we've executed and we're, where we're going to be taking this asset. Then the last thing I'll say, bit, say about Beta Hunt as well, the other thing that you know, larger companies look for is um, you know, how big can this thing be? How long can this, this reserve and, and resource life go for? Um, you know, this is an asset that, and, and I'm not saying this in, in a joking way, you know, our chief geologist says this is a multi-generational asset. It already has been, uh, and it will be. This thing will be mining for long after you and I uh, are, are probably done these interviews. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a tremendous asset to own, uh, and we're trying to get it up to that, that 200,000 year mark that uh, you know, gets everybody interested. And then what? Well, then we'll try and get it to 250, 300. But I'm not saying that about beta hunt. That is not guidance. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, it's a it's a big efficiency game. Uh, obviously, even small bumps in grade at these tonnages make enormous differences in your bottom line and in your ounce production. Uh, but lots of work still to be done there.